Hello, this is Archbishop William Laurie of Baltimore, and you are listening to Catholic Baltimore on Talk Radio 680 WCBM. Catholic Baltimore is a weekly radio program hosted by the Archdiocese of Baltimore, airing each Sunday following the broadcast of the Radio Mass of Baltimore. We are grateful to our Catholic radio partners for sharing with us some of the content in this program and for the opportunity to bring quality Catholic programming to the Archdiocese of Baltimore every Sunday. Welcome to Catholic Baltimore. I'm George Matisek, digital editor for the Archdiocese of Baltimore. Every year, 400,000 people from across the country and around the world visit one of the most beautiful and peaceful spots in the Archdiocese of Baltimore, the National Shrine Grotto of Lourdes in Emmitsburg. The outdoor mountaintop shrine in Frederick County is located on the same spot where St. Elizabeth Ann Seton once prayed. The Lord Shrine was developed about two decades after the apparition of the Blessed Virgin Mary to St. Bernadette at Lourdes, France in 1858. It is one of the oldest American replicas of the original French shrine. Today, the Emmitsburg Shrine includes outdoor Stations of the Cross, a rosary lane, numerous shrines to saints, a glass chapel, and a large pool of grotto spring water. Joining us to discuss what makes the shrine so special and to tell us about future plans for the shrine is Lori Stewart, director of the shrine since 2013. It's so great to be here at the shrine, Lori. Thanks for joining us. Well, thank you, George. I appreciate it. So what makes this place so special? Why do so many people come here every year? Well, as you said, I've been here since 2013, so I have not been here for uh, too long. But I can just simply say what makes the National Shrine Grotto special is because of our Blessed Mother. Hmm. Um, There are only a few Marian shrines in the United States, 30, around 30, and this one is one of the only shrines that is on a university campus that also has um, a very large seminary. But people come here because they are looking for answers, for peace, serenity, and just just to get away. And because of the National Shrine Grotto is an outdoor shrine in the the woods on a beautiful mountain, I think it's uh, very popular. Hmm. Who are some of the typical kinds of people who come here every year? Well, it's not local people, <laughs> which, which uh, being in Upper Frederick County, um, being close to Gettysburg, I would, uh, I would assume that it would just be, um, just we're kind of out in the country. But it's truly um, a mix, a very diverse mix of, of followers of our Blessed Mother, Um, Demographically, I would say it's very similar to the Catholic Church. We have a lot of beautiful Asian visitors, um, Korean, Vietnamese, um, Filipinos, also a great amount of Hispanic um, spiritual people coming to visit our mother. But truly, you could look at our visitor sign-in sheet and you would see people from all over the world that are here, especially on our on our opening time when it's nice outside. Um, but again, this is it's people that um, may not even necessarily be Catholic. They are just they're just looking for answers in the world today. And you mentioned that it's located right here on the campus of Mount St. Mary's, and it has such an incredible history. Uh, Father John Dubois, the founder of the university, was the person who discovered this location, is that right? Do you know a little bit about the history of Yes, I do. Yeah. Yes, I do. We just celebrated our bicentennial 
year in 2008, um, which, was, which was 10 years ago. It was Father John Dubois that uh, came from France. And in 1806, here in Emmitsburg, he built a church on top of the mountain, which is actually where the bell tower of our Blessed Mother, the large gold uh, statue, that is in the location of that church. Hmm. When he was here, he saw a light that kind of just had drawn him through the trees. Uh, He walked farther up into the mountain, and he saw a hollowed-out tree. It was very large and hollowed out on the bottom, and he would call it the grotto, which means cave in in, uh, French. So he would celebrate Mass there um, along within the chapel, and then as that was over the next uh, couple of years, he then built the college and the seminary, um, he, um, it was, he just, because of him, we're here. Wow. Yes. And then St. Elizabeth Ann Seton had such great devotion to this place. She actually taught catechism here on a rock. Yes. That, that right? Yes. You know, we're so grateful for Mother Seton because she liked to write. So I think because of her journals and her collective writings, that's how we know so much about this area and the Catholic tradition here. Um, as you said, George, she did come here from Baltimore, and um, she would write to Father Dubois and say that she's on her way. And when she arrived here, her home for she and her sisters was not quite ready. Um, so for the first six weeks to uh, eight weeks, she actually stayed up here on the mountain in a cabin where Father Dubois had lived. Um, she stayed here. And then once she did get into her home, into the valley, she and her sisters would still come up here to the grotto that she called the grotto every Sunday. And there's a lot of writings about the walk and through the rain and through the mud, but they felt so close to God in this spot that it was very important for them to uh, celebrate Mass that Father Dubois presided every Sunday. Mm. Yes. And she did, I think you were, yeah, sorry. She did teach, um, there's actually, uh, legend tells us, there's a rock right very close to the grotto that um, she would teach the children of the mountain. So in the valley, in, in the town of Emmitsburg, where she had her school, uh, that's where she actually would um, have a stipend or tuition. Uh, she started the actual Catholic education there, um, but up here she she would just meet these children of the mountain. Um, so some may have been slaves. We're not sure. Some of them were children that were not being fully educated, and she would sit on the rock. Yes. And and how did the shrine get connected with the Lord's devotion? How did that happen? You know that's a that's a very good question. I need to find out more about that. Uh, my understanding is, however. Um, uh, almost close to 15, 18 years after the apparition in Lourdes, our seminarians here at the seminary built the grotto cave that is uh, that we have here in our location now, which is the first replica of Our Lady of Lourdes in the United States. Mm-hmm. However, what actually drove, what was the, the driving point for that? I'm not sure, except I could surmise to say that Father Dubois, Father Brute, Simon Brute, they were French, hmm. and so they most likely were writing back and forth from their home country and learned of the apparition, 
and uh, were so dedicated to it that I'm sure they taught the seminarians, and therefore then they they built the replica. Hmm. And then, of course, in modern times, the great caretaker of the shrine was Monsignor Hugh Phillips, a priest of the Archdiocese who died in 2004. What influence did Monsignor have on this place? I know it was a lot. <laughs> oh, goodness. Um, you know, my, they, they called him the restorer of the grotto. So the grotto itself, meaning the, the, the stone, the rock cave, and the spring, and the statue of our Blessed Mother, that again was here in the late 1800s, and the road coming to here, and then the pathway were all dirt. Um, only the seminarians and then the students of the college, they would visit the grotto. It wasn't, it wasn't public. Um, 1858, uh, Monsignor Phillips, who was uh, previously before that the president of the university, he um, actually, I'll say, solicited for the um, grotto to become a national shrine and a public oratory. And uh, with the help of an Italian cardinal, who then went to Pope Paul, um, who was actually the Pope at the time, um, agreed that it would become a national shrine. And Pope Paul actually helped write the plenary indulgences for the, for the grotto, um, which is fascinating because he'll be canonized then this year. Hmm. Uh, but Monsignor Phillips then, after that point, just did a marvelous job. He just had such a great love for our Blessed Mother. And as I heard in an interview, he stated he knew every blade of grass, knew every stone, knew every part of, this, this, of these holy grounds. And his devotion and love was just, he was just enamored by her mother. And so he, because of him, the Pangborn Bell Tower is here. Um, pretty much everything that is here is here because of him. Hmm. So while he was a director for 43 years, and also the chaplain, and he, he built the grotto. We are here at the National Shrine Grotto of Lourdes in Emmitsburg, speaking with Lori Stewart, the Shrine's director. When we return after the break, we'll take a look at some exciting future plans for the Shrine. You are listening to Catholic Baltimore. You're invited to attend a special interfaith prayer service commemorating the 50th anniversary of the assassination of the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. on Thursday, April 12th at the Cathedral of Mary Our Queen on North Charles Street in the Homeland Community of North Baltimore. All are welcome as people of all faiths will join together to remember Dr. King's legacy and to pray for peace in our city. To learn more, visit archbalt.org. Catholic news from the Archdiocese of Baltimore and around the world with the Catholic Review. Randy Zako's decline began about five years ago with the deaths of loved ones. Consumed by addiction and homelessness, he found himself outside on a bitterly cold February night in 2017, lying on a bench waiting for a bed in a detox unit at Johns Hopkins Hospital in Baltimore. He had hit bottom. I clearly remember the day. I just stayed there and prayed, said Zako, who had enjoyed an uneventful, middle-class life with his parents and two older siblings. The 39-year-old culinary arts school graduate prayed that if he could get through the night, he would give his life to God. 
Zeka was admitted to the hospital the next morning, and upon discharge, was accepted as a client of the Helping Up Mission, a Christian outreach based in Baltimore that helps men recovering from addiction and homelessness. Zeka was one of about 70 Helping Up Mission clients who attended a special Easter Sunday Mass celebrated by Bishop Dennis J. Madden, April 1st at the Mission. He and others gave thanks for the change in their lives on the same day Christians around the world celebrated the miracle of Christ's resurrection. In his homily, Bishop Madden referred to the resurrection and how everyone can use it as an example for their own lives. What things in our lives are dead in many ways, Bishop Madden asked. What things are in our lives that we would like to rise up from? At times, the bishop said, some may think nothing short of a miracle can help them. With God, he asserted, that's not so very difficult. To read more, visit catholicreview.org. Also on catholicreview.org, Pope Francis said that truly celebrating Easter means allowing Jesus to triumph over personal fears and give life to hope, creativity, and care for others. Easter is an invitation to break out of our routines and to renew our lives, our decisions, and our existence, the Pope said during the Easter Vigil March 31st in St. Peter's Basilica. Do we want to share in this message of life, he asked in his homily, or do we prefer simply to continue standing speechless before events as they happen? During the liturgy, Pope Francis baptized eight adults who were between the ages of 28 and 52. The Vatican said that Nathan Potter, who was born in 1988 and comes from the United States, was one of the eight. Four of the other catechumens were from Italy, and one each came from Albania, Peru, and Nigeria. Pope Francis also confirmed the eight and gave them their first communion during Mass. The Mass, on a very rainy night, began in the atrium of St. Peter's Basilica with the blessing of the fire and of the Easter candle. With most of the lights in the basilica turned off, Pope Francis and the concelebrating cardinals, bishops, and priests processed in darkness toward the altar, stopping first to light the Pope's candle and then those of the concelebrants and the faithful. We began this celebration outside, plunged in the darkness of the night and the cold, the Pope said in his homily. We felt an oppressive silence at the death of the Lord, a silence with which each of us can identify a silence that penetrates to the depths of the heart of every disciple who stands wordless before the cross. Find these stories and many more at catholicreview.org. From the newsroom of the Catholic Review, this is Emily Rosenthal. Do you want to know more about what's going on in the church and the world than you can get from your daily newspaper or local TV? Read the only publication in the Archdiocese of Baltimore that covers the church full-time, The Catholic Review. Pick up the print magazine monthly at your parish or have the Catholic Review delivered to your home every month. You can get fresh news every day online at catholicreview.org. Subscribe to the Catholic Review e-newsletter for twice a week updates. Just text CR Media to 84576. Find our app on Apple and Android and follow the Catholic Review on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Pinterest. Wherever your faith takes you, Catholic Review Media is ready to inspire, teach, inform, and engage. Read it today in print and online at catholicreview.org. That's catholicreview.org. 
You are listening to Catholic Baltimore on Talk Radio 680 WCBM. Welcome back to Catholic Baltimore. I'm George Matisek, Digital Editor for the Archdiocese of Baltimore. Our guest today is Lori Stewart, Director of the National Shrine Grotto of Lourdes in Emmitsburg. Lori, I know there's been a lot of growth here at the Shrine over the last decade or so. Could you tell us what's happening here with the numbers of people visiting? Oh, absolutely. It's, it's, it's such a joy to see, um, especially with our, um, uh, with our family members and, and our friends, that we don't see them going to church. But when you come visit to the National Shrine Grotto on the weekends, uh, it will not be a surprise if, you, if you're unable to... Um, if you don't get here early enough to have a seat in church. Um, we get uh, approximately 300 to 400,000 visitors a year. Depends on the weather. Mm-hmm. If it's a beautiful day on Sunday and then we have mass, which we always do on Sundays, Saturdays and Sundays, um, we will have close to 3,000 people on one, of, on one day. Wow. I know you have some exciting plans for accommodating those increased numbers. What, what's going to be happening here in the future? Well, because this year is actually the 60th anniversary of when the Grotto became a national shrine. So we started to take a look at some projects, uh, some of the facilities and the grounds and some of the areas that could be restored. Um, our chapel that we have, St. Mary's Chapel, was built in 1976, has the original air conditioning, lighting, carpet, etc. And uh, our pathways walking up to the grotto, those are the original from Monsignor Phillips in the 60s. So we thought, let's go into our restoration plan. After a few months talking to our visitors, they started to give us some ideas that need restored <laughs> and even some additions. They said, well, while you're doing that, could you take a look at the parking? Could you find somewhere that we could have food? Um, So what we have now done is we have embarked on reviewing all the grounds of the National Shrine Grotto and creating a master plan. That master plan is going to include extending the cemetery. We're going to extend the parking, however that may be. Also take a look at the safety of the parking, make sure we are ADA compliant, add additional pathways, add additional seating. Um, but I would say the most exciting part is adding de- the additional devotion and worship space, which one of our uh, dream ideas is um, to take the existing chapel and create uh, a spiritual formation center. With that, we would have um, more prayer, more uh, artifacts, uh, seminars, lectures, evangelization effort. And then we would build a church uh, that would hold the existing. Right now, we're having a problem holding the amount of people that we do. Mm -hmm. Well, we want to um, meet that need, but then also have additional space so we can invite more loved ones to Mm -hmm. church. That's really exciting. Yes, it's very. It makes me a little, uh, a little scared. But they, we we truly believe our blessed mother is asking us to do this. They're 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 really, other than that, we don't have um, a reason. I think our visitors are happy. Our pilgrims are uh, very satisfied. But we we truly believe our blessed mother is asking us to do this for her. And you've added some shrines here in recent years as well. Is there there one to Saint Charbel? 
Can yes. You, who was Saint yes. Charbon and how yes. did he get a shrine here? <laughs> yes. Oh, he's he's a very fascinating saint. He is from Lebanon. Uh, the family of Saint Charbel. He they are a group here in the United States, a Lebanese group that have asked us. Uh, we installed, uh, with of course their help, um, the first shrine in the United States for Saint Charbel. And it is just the most beautiful shrine. He's a fascinating saint. Um, he had a great devotion to our Blessed Mother, so he has a, a great connection with that. His relic, the, he is the, it is the only shrine, the garden area here on our grounds, that he, there is a first-class relic of mm. him, wow. too. And then in May, there's a special May crowning that happens here. Is that right with the uh, the huge statue of Our Lady? Yes, yes, yes. Our, our we have um, our 95 foot bronze statue that Monsignor Phillips installed in the mid 19 uh, or excuse me the late uh, 1960s. Um, it was interesting. A few years ago, my um, we had we had a, a priest here from the seminary, and he said, um, "Why don't why don't we bless? Her? Why don't we crown her?" And I thought. How in the blazes are we going to crown it? I'm looking up and I thought, okay. Well, just providentially then we had a company, the Big Hook Crane Company, who happens to be alums of Mount St. Mary's University, came in and said, you know what, we could help you with that. We could crown her. So uh, the first Sunday of May of every year, which I believe that is May 6th this year, we are going to crown her. Well, of course, have mass and procession, bless the crown, and then the crown will be um, on our on Our Lady for the month of May. Mm, wow! And what time will that take place? Right after the twelve o'clock Mass. Mm. Yes, <laughs> it is. The crown's beautiful. It is made with. Um, the, it's been the original crown we've been using. This will be the fourth year. Lots of flowers. Um, we also ask for those to um, give in memory of a loved one or their mother because it's Mother's Day is coming up too and we will shower her with roses that day. Hmm. And then last year Archbishop Laurie announced that missionary priests from the Institute of the Incarnate Word would begin a new ministry here at the shrine and also at the Mother Seton Shrine. Yes. Uh, what gifts do they bring uh, yes. to this, this place? We've been very blessed uh, to have them. They started in September 2017 and yes it's uh, Father uh, Daniel Mistari, I can never pronounce his last name, sorry, Father Daniel, and Father Ted, um, they are just absolutely wonderful. Um, they bring what our grotto um, needs ever since Monsignor Phillips and, and other chaplains that have been here, that spiritual direction, that spiritual guidance, um, that, that help of intercessory prayer to our Blessed Mother. Uh, they they have also brought adoration, benediction, mm. rosary, stations of the cross, much more devotion um, practices. So we're we're absolutely thrilled, and we hope they can do much more in the future. And I understand one of those priests is an architect and might be contributing a little <laughs> bit to to the new church. Yes, yes, it, Father Daniel, just God bless him. It was it was actually truly his idea. He, he um, came to me and he said through prayer, he really felt a calling that we needed a larger church here. So before he became uh, a priest, he, he was an architect and he did some drawings for the new church and they're absolutely beautiful. How can people find more information about the shrine and, and when are you open? 
We are open every day of the year um, from 8.30 to 5 o'clock. The only days that our visitor center and the chapel is closed are Thanksgiving Day and Christmas Day. However, you can walk the grounds. Uh, you can find more information on nsgrotto.org. That's great. Lori Stewart, thank you so much for being on Catholic Baltimore this week. Thank you, George. I appreciate it. For Catholic Baltimore, I'm George Matisek. We'll see you again next week. For 143 years, New Cathedral Cemetery has served the needs of the Catholic community of Baltimore and Central Maryland. New Cathedral is the only cemetery owned by the Archdiocese of Baltimore and is the final resting place for many religious orders and famous citizens. 125 acres of rolling hills, trees, and beautiful monuments, the cemetery is an oasis of peace and tranquility and is located off Edmondson Avenue just outside of Catonsville. New Cathedral is dedicated to the task of tending to the mortal remains of our dearly departed and has many more years of available space. If you are in need of a burial site, vault, monument, or marker, or just a respectful location to place your cremated loved ones, our counselors will help you through this process and make sure the wishes of you and your loved ones are honored. Visit us online at newcathedralcemetery.org, like us on Facebook at New Cathedral Cemetery Bonnie Bray, or call 410-566-7770. Life can be hard, and at times we feel overwhelmed and alone. When faced with problems, know that there is a group of Catholics who are part of the prayer ministry of the Archdiocese of Baltimore, waiting to lift you and your needs to God in prayer. This ministry is comprised of men and women, young and old, religious and lay, from every ethnic and cultural background. They pray as individuals and in groups, in homes and meeting spaces throughout Baltimore. Like you, they are people who have suffered the same hurts, fears, pains, sickness, loss, and everyday burdens. Learn more about this ministry by visiting our website at www.archbalt.org. If you are in need of prayer, send your prayer request to prayers at archbalt.org or by phone to 410-547-5517. Would you like to volunteer to be a part of the ministry? Prayer ministers are always needed. Please call or email our coordinator who would be happy to speak with you. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Catholic Baltimore. As we prepare for the week ahead, let us do so in prayer together as one community of faith. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Let us also ask the blessing and intercession of our Blessed Mother as we pray. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. May God bless us and keep us always in his love.